Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. So welcome in, everybody. This is Broncos for Breakfast. I am Scott Kennedy, your host with co-host Zach Kelberman. You may recognize him, but not this early in the morning. Uh, I was joking with Zach earlier. I said it's it's about as painful to you to do a nine o'clock a.m. show. It is for me when the Broncos have those primetime games and we're potting at one thirty in the morning Eastern. I'm usually Zach. I'm usually getting up to pee for the second time in the yeah. middle of the night by one <laughs> or two in the morning. So that's way past my bedtime. But I appreciate you being here, man. Of course, man. I'm not an early riser like you. I'm more of a night person than a morning person. But I got two cups of coffee and look at what I got, Scott. I got a huddle up mug on broncos for breakfast i had to do it it's of course you'll have the bfb mug on bfb but i appreciate uh you allowing me on your platform no i appreciate it we can wake him up i've spent i spent more time i'm heading your way uh in this this uh this week too so i'll be in rock hill south carolina for a couple of uh for friday saturday and sunday for yet another travel soccer tournament so this will be uh, my last time on for a, for a few days. I'll be in the background tonight. So it's good to, uh, good to have you on. So uh, welcome in, everybody. Let's say good morning to some folks in the chat here. Uh, Diamond Rather coming in nice and early. Ethan getting us started, of course, the DWI guys over in London. It's good morning. Uh, Nick and Scott, as I said earlier a little bit, it's not going to be Nick. Nick is on his way to a wedding this weekend, one of like his 72 weddings. He has. He's, he's that age. Actually... I guess that's about right. You know, for me, you know, a few years ago when I was uh, coming out of Auburn, everybody got married at 24, divorced at 27, second weddings at 32. And then we started seeing each other at funerals at 40. So that was the nice fun timeline that we had. He's in that married, everybody's getting married stage right now. Y'all get morbid on the BFB pod, man. Like, let's keep it a little lighter in the morning. (laughs) Sky, you're talking about funerals and second marriages. Happy times. It's springtime. Good time. Speaking of good times, um, let me. We got our first uh, TD's coming in. He's going green on us yet. Thank you. TD. Just in case no one has told you yet, I hope you have a great day. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm not sure anybody has said have a great day to me yet so far. So, TD Randall, <laughs> you are the first. But Zach, it is scheduled day. It yes, is scheduled sir. release day. So we know a couple of things. We know Rams on Christmas Day. We know. I already forgot because it didn't matter. I was all, all the matter was Broncos in, in, in London. I don't even remember they were playing. Yeah. The Jaguars. Okay. The Jaguars. Week eight. Okay. And it looks like my, uh, my internet decided to go down to one bar on Streamyard. you know, gigabit gigabit speed isn't quite enough. I guess it wants to, uh, to have a little more. So any predictions? I know we've, we've hit on this before, but that's okay. Uh, any predictions on what you think could happen on week one? What are you looking forward to? I want Seattle. I think that's a game that a lot of Broncos fans want. I think it's a game that a lot of Broncos fans think could happen midseason. They're not going to like, you know, shoot their load too early. The NFL, 
Um, but you have to keep this in mind too when you talk about Seattle. They're going to probably start at a quarterback, Geno Smith or Drew Locke. So if you want to capitalize on that matchup, you can't wait until either of those quarterbacks implode during the regular season. You want to get them when the hype and the optimism is at its highest, when they're zero and zero. So I would hope for Seattle in week one, like DWI guy says, maybe the Rams if the Broncos open Thursday night, though I think that's less of a possibility. I've also heard the Raiders on Monday night in week one against the Broncos. That would be exciting, but nothing more to me would draw the hype to the season more so than a Seattle at Seattle, unfortunately, but the Broncos take it on the Seahawks. Russell Wilson versus his former team. Shelby, Noah Fan, and Drew Locke versus their former team in primetime. Hook that right in these veins. <laughs> I was thinking one of two ways. See, you went negative on me, which I was thinking positive. So shocker. With uh, yeah. Well, either way, I'm usually not the optimistic one here. Um, but I was like, all right, you want to get Seattle before either they implode, which is the way you went. And I was kind of thinking you might go the other direction, and one of those quarterbacks actually finds a rhythm. And maybe, you know, week five or six, they're a more dangerous team. They might be easier to beat early on, or as you said, they could implode. So if you're going to get Seattle. <laughs> I just thought of how stupid I am. We talked about the, the Broncos playing the Rams on Christmas, and I'm talking about the Broncos opening up on Thursday. This is why I don't do morning podcasts, Scott. This is you why I'm a nighttime. Play a game here, Zach. Let's count and see the timeline when you can tell when the caffeine hits Scott. Because I don't start drinking my coffee until we come online. I thought I'm I'm a cup and a half deep right now. I thought it would hit me, but I, it hasn't. So obviously the Broncos aren't opening up against the Rams on Thursday night. It's looking like it could be Seattle. It could be the Raiders. It more than likely will be a primetime game. And Scott, what I can tell you with certainty is the Broncos could max out, should max out, and they should have no less than four primetime games, not including London, not including Christmas Day. You're going to see the Broncos on national television quite a bit in 2022 comes with the territory of having a franchise quarterback. Yeah, the uh, the London one is kind of fun. I'm like, you know, do you think, I remember somebody asking, do you think we'll get a London game, a more marquee game? I'm like, dude, the Falcons played the Jets last year. So they're not picking it based on on what, what the marquee matchup is. However, those Sunday night games, absolutely. NBC, it happened about 10 years ago where ESPN and ABC on the Monday Night Football, they had to have their Monday night games scheduled well before the the season started so you know by week nine you could have a couple of stinkers meanwhile sunday night football is able to flex their games and pick like the week before and then sunday night football has really become in my opinion and i don't think i'm alone here the marquee game of the week is sunday night football now where for 40 years it was monday night football now monday night football is a little bit i won't say a complete afterthought because of all the fantasy football players but it's not the the marquee game that sunday night football is no, Monday night has been watered down. They've had the doubleheader Monday night games. There's a Thursday night game. You know, there's been in the past because of the pandemic, Tuesday night games, Wednesday night games. But there's something about a game on a Sunday. And having the Sunday night game, you have the audience to yourself. I'm firmly right there with you. It's a much bigger game than um, uh, Monday night. And if the Broncos do open against Seattle, at Seattle, it would be, I think, Sunday night football. So what a way to open the season for Denver. I might have to come out west for that. I don't think I can stay up late enough for that if I if I'm here. I'm telling you, I watch I watch a lot of sporting events at 6:30 in the morning. <laughs> when I get up, I'm like 10:30. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting sleepy. My my daughter's. However, next year both of my kids are in middle school. That's like an extra hour and a half of sleep a day. So or 
productivity instead of running kids around. Get ready. Hurry up. Quit screwing around. Where are your shoes? I can't find them. <laughs> you know, yeah, the coffee kicked in at eight minutes here. <laughs> you had Andrew it right the first time. Sleep. In with a cup of coffee saying, what's happening, Broncos fam? What's I hope y'all, normally I don't care about this. I'm like, we'll play when we play. But, you know, now that I'm actually thinking about going to some of these games, I'm pretty damn excited about the schedule release. Because I, I don't, I can't tell you the last time I was at an NFL game. Um the one I really want to go to, and actually, I don't even care about going into the game. I just want to be at the game. London. We got to go to London, man. We are. We've got to. Yeah, we're taking the uh, Broncos for breakfast, huddle up pot on the road. We're going overseas. I got my passport ready, Scott. We're going to London, baby. Going to Wembley. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. And, and for the Seattle game, we can crash at Knicks. So it's all good. There we go. There we go. He, he'll, he'll have a new place. So we'll have to kick in some money to make sure it's 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 uh, big enough for sure. So uh Here's your housewarming, um, our presence. Where yeah, do we sleep? Sure is big. We're just kick him out. Nick, you need to be somewhere else. We're gonna we're gonna crash here. Jacob Foster, we like to call Jacob the silent one because he's always coming in with support. And I've never seen a comment. And like I said, just because like that's kind of your persona now, Jacob, don't feel like you have to live up to it. If you ever want to leave a comment, shoot me a DM or something if you ever want to say anything, because all we're saying is thank you constantly. Uh, for all the support that you show. And if you're not number one on top of the stars, it's you and Mark Schrader are pretty close. And Mark Schrader's coming in from Texas. Says, good morning, guys. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Appreciate you being here. Um, and then uh, let's see. DWI guys comes in with some uh, with some news. He says, oh, boy, here goes Josh Wait, really? McDaniels again, trading for Jarrett Stedham. Car on the way out. What did they give up for that, if that's the case? Because Jarrett Stedham, I watched him at, at – at Auburn and he's he's not Derek Carr um no. I, I would think that would be a quality backup <clears throat> option at best um that would be a that would be a strange one but as you said you know we like to call it falconing and things up around here so Josh McDaniels it up in Las Vegas could become a thing so you never know as Jeremy says joshing it <laughs> up again so <laughs> I mean yeah yeah um Stidham was with the Patriots, if I'm not mistaken, right? Because then Cam came up there, and you're thinking, okay, Auburn, Auburn, two Auburn quarterbacks. Um, and then the Alabama guy comes in, and it's awkward um, for, with Mac Jones. But uh, I would think – we talked about this before when when uh, Nathaniel Hackett was coming in, Zach. Sometimes coaches like to bring in a veteran guy that has no business playing but knows the system and can be basically another coach can help other people and be an assistant coach who's wearing a helmet, so to speak. That seems like much more likely here when you're talking about a seventh and a sixth. That's that's backup range. Yeah, I was going to say McDaniels can't change the stripes overnight, um, but they lost their backup in Marcus Mariota, who you know very well, Scott, covering the Falcons. I don't know who their backup is behind Carr, but I would assume Stidham. It was for it. Stidham. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be just a like a Brett Rippon. That's what Jared Stidham is. Just a smart, heady guy who can be a coach on the sideline, coach on the field, coach in the locker room, whatever. Just a familiar guy for McDaniels to have. I wouldn't look at it as Carr being on the way out. If they wanted to trade him, of any offseason to trade any player, this was the offseason to do it. And supposedly McDaniels took that job because of Derek Carr. So I wouldn't create a controversy where there isn't one. He's a backup, Jared Stidham. And uh, not Rusty Shackelford. Appreciate you making sure we knew it wasn't Rusty Shackelford. Because um, I get confused easily. He says, I'd like Jets, Texans, or Panthers week one. Give them cupcake to get them going on the Been right. Been there, way. done that. 
Saw that last year. How'd that work out? No, I want a hard team. I want an elite team. I want to prove the Broncos are here for real. I want them not to lean on the same excuses last year. 3-0 Scott looks so good because they beat up on the worst teams in the NFL. And even people were hailing Teddy Bridgewater as the savior. But I said, just wait until week four, guys. I said it at the meet and greet at, at Empower Field. I said, wait until the Baltimore game next week. That'll be the barometer. A true test. And the Broncos failed that. So, no, I want that hard test to come in week one, whether it's Seattle, even Vegas, Kansas City. I want an elite team or an upper echelon team for the Broncos to take care of to prove they're going to be serious this season. Well, <clears throat> with the new coaching staff coming in, I don't think motivation and OTAs and the offseason training uh, at fall camp and everything will be as a problem if you're going with the same group for three, four years in a row, or especially when you got a lame duck coach in there. But having, I know, especially in the college ranks, you, you hear the kids say and you hear the coaches say, our practices are better knowing that we've got a tough home opener, You know that we've got a tough opener. They work harder in the offseason, knowing that they have to get ready instead of kind of easing in. Now, the NFL is a much more level playing field than, you know, Alabama against West Texas, New Mexico, state of the poor. But, um, again, having that big marquee matchup can be a motivator for the dog days that are that are here now for May, June, and July, and August, for that matter, for, for the team. So, you know what I call I call week one, you know, the season for overreacting and but having, you know, taking a loss against a really tough opponent and having that behind you isn't necessarily the uh, the bad thing. And and uh, that's I, I'm an SEC guy. I'm used to it. Bam X. We're together on that one. You know, if the rest of the college football conferences actually played decent teams in conference. Um, but no, I just happen to say Alabama. Uh, Auburn has the same crap out of out of conference schedule. So. Uh, not a shot at Bama. So many people forget the human psychology aspect of football, which you just brought up. It, it's so true, too. If the Broncos know tonight that their week one opponent, let's say, is Kansas City, Vegas, Seattle. I mean, those are all storyline matchups. That would give them something to put on their bulletin board, something to work for, something like you said to pump them up. You don't get the same excitement when you're talking about opening up against Carolina, just a bottom feeder team. You get maybe too complacent. You think you can uh, assume your way to victory. Maybe you don't put the same work in. I definitely want a marquee matchup in week one. Again, we saw how it worked out last year. It didn't. Spoiler alert. So I want to try something different. I want a harder matchup in week one. Bring it on, baby. Would it have mattered, though, if the schedule had been different or it just would have the, the narratives would have changed a little bit more? You would have felt better about it, not having that false hope of a three and oh well it would have exposed probably teddy bridgewater a little earlier so maybe it would have uh gone and drew lock a little earlier to the quarterback battle but even then you know it wouldn't have mattered with vic fangio and pat Shermer calling the shots i don't think drew lock was the savior anyway so i don't think it would have mattered but i don't want a cupcake opponent for this broncos team I, they have russell wilson now nathaniel hackett let's go uh let's go beat some elites because you know what's worse than having the cupcake opponent is getting beat by that cupcake Ooh. opponent. You lose to Kansas City, yeah, it's in a game, or you lose to the Rams or something. Okay, road game or whatever it happens to be. You know, there's, it's okay. But you know, when you when you're going through the, you're going through your schedule and you're kind of mentally chalking up wins and you know, games that could go either way or loss, you know, potential losses. You don't want one of those W's turning into an L in Week One. That's for sure. 
You also want one of the cupcakes to be like later in the season. So if you do have a losing streak or you're going through a tough time, like a mid-November game, that way you can have an easier opponent to get your confidence back. So I want like the Texans, the Panthers, whatever. I want them mid-season. I don't want them early season. So I know you had said uh, you had said Seattle, but I also think I remember you saying you wanted the Chiefs as soon as possible. I do. I do. I don't think it's going to happen in week one, but they're going to get a primetime game against Kansas City earlier in the season, according to Benjamin Albright. I just can't wait to end that streak as soon as possible. That's the only reason, Scott. I wasn't predicting that game so much as I want to end the streak as as soon as I can. I don't want to wait until week seven, week nine, week ten. I want to do it week one or week two to, again, establish the dominance of the new age Denver Broncos. Not your brother's Denver Broncos, not your father's Denver Broncos. This is the new Denver Broncos, and Kansas City will meet that bump saw soon can't wait for it and last year it felt like the uh at least watching the broncos and watching uh the nfc south it seemed like all the conference games the division games were backloaded i think uh the nfc south they played like five of their six uh divisional games in the last six weeks um so was it and it seemed like it was chargers raiders chiefs like three of the last four games throw the Bengals in there it's like it was very backloaded on that and by then to a certain extent, the, I don't know, it hadn't been decided, but you had a pretty good feeling of which way we were going. And it took some of the luster out of those matchups at the end of the year. I'm like, yeah, I know mathematically we were still alive at seven and nine, but come on, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not the same as, you know, right out of the gate when everybody's, you know, hope right. springs eternal. It's opening day. Everybody's got a chance. Not when you're six and seven and we know we stink but we still have a, a chance that's that's crap football plus there was that random lions game i think it was week 15 or week 16 last year and it gave the broncos false hope because they beat up on the lowly lions but that's what i'm talking about when you have an easier opponent later in the season if you need that dub in december going into the playoffs that's when you want the crappier team so i hope it aligns that way uh, yeah, get, get healthy it's almost to it it's not a bye week so to speak it is the nfl again it's not college football where you schedule your homecoming opponent before your your uh your your rival like that. So schedule's supposed to drop at eight o'clock Eastern tonight. Officially, I think there will be leaks all day. The first leak I saw, uh, you know, besides one we already knew about, you know, the, the Christmas game, the Halloween game in London, uh, was week four, Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers is the first one that has come out. So um that should be, you know, a, a pretty good matchup early in the season. Yeah, it's on Monday Night Football, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, you put Brady versus Mahomes in primetime. I hate to say it, I'm rooting for Brady in that game. You got to get Kansas City to lose more games than they win this year, preferably. But that's going to be fun. And, um, you know, I, maybe I'm in the minority, Scott, but I kind of like the way the NFL has trickled out the bigger games over the course of a week, giving one network one of their leaks per day i kind of like the way they've done it instead of just like hyping it up and leaving it all to thursday and then come like six o'clock mountain on thursday every team just puts it out there's no hype nfl network has like a three-hour show but you know the schedule in the first five minutes so i kind of like the way they're trickling it out a little more this year that it's even a show is kind of ridiculous <laughs> nfl's a cash cow i know but you know what it's a monster that it's honestly talking about the monster that is the uh the nfl it's when i decided to watch the walking dead okay scott what the hell does that mean that doesn't make any sense well like in season three of the walking dead they beat on sunday nights the walking dead beat 
of Sunday night NFL like three or four weeks in a row in the 18 to 45 demographic. And I'm like, if, if you can beat the NFL in anything that is ratings related and it's not some stupid show, um, you know, reality type show, uh, I'll, I'll check it out. So the NFL is an absolute monster. We were talking uh, Kentucky Derby, okay? You know, it was a huge race. It was awesome. Underdog, all this kind of stuff. The ratings act for Kentucky Derby was about 13 and a half million. You know, that's a, that'd be a, a horror show for an NFL primetime game. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's America's pastime now. It used to be baseball, but it's definitely football. It's it's, it's king. It rules the uh, the realm of the sports world. But I saw here, uh, someone said they think it, the game that we talked about, the uh, Bucks chiefs is on Sunday night. And Benjamin says, thought it was Sunday night football. Again, I'm less than two cups deep right now, so my brain not be woken up, but I thought I saw Monday night. It could be Sunday night. Either way, though, primetime, Brady Mahomes, going to be a fun one. Here, I have the tweet. It's uh, week four on Sunday night football. Uh, Adam Sutter right, had Benjamin. it. Ian Rappaport has it. It was announced on Good Morning Football. Mahomes versus Brady, week four, Sunday night football. And they'll they'll have the ability to flex that if they need to in case, you know, both quarterbacks are hurt. <laughs> you lose both quarterbacks. Uh, you know what? We're going to look at somebody else here. Sorry, guys. Um, you know what? The travel fund, making the contributions. Zach, here's half the reason. Like three quarters of the reason I need to go over. I'm like, we got we to gotta go see Ethan. Yes. We got to we got to go see Ethan. Thank you so, so much. 50 Ethan. pounds towards the MHH London Travel Fund, my love funds. Zach, how do you really feel about number 42? Uh, so, he's if if you haven't noticed and it's it's a little tough, I go in and check the comments, and make sure that y'all see it. Um the super thanks are now available after the fact. So, if you're watching the pod on demand uh and you want to give, you know, su- throw uh support the show, we'll give you a shout out just like we do here. If you have a question, we'll read it. But Ethan has been coming into the night pods and leaving super thanks. So I'm sure he watched the uh, the show last night and is talking about Nick Benito and getting jersey number 42. And I'm not sure you were very clear on your feelings on this. You were a little, as you tend to be, Zach, a little wishy-washy. Let's change that. I <laughs> number for Nick Benito. Nothing against 42. Obviously, it, Jackie Robinson's number, there's a place in history for it, but there's no place for 42 on an edge rusher. You're a rookie, you're 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 hyped addition to the Broncos. 42 doesn't really fit. So I really 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 do not like that. But again, where are you going to go with him? He wanted 11, I think, and he couldn't get that because it was already taken on the Broncos roster. That was his college number that he wore in Oklahoma. But Josh Johnson, the quarterback, wears that in Denver. You can't, I don't think you can give away 58, certainly not to a rookie who hasn't played one snap yet. There's nowhere else to go. The 50s are taken, the 40s are taken. I hate the number, but it seems like Benito had no choice. So I kind of forgive him. And you're not allowed to double numbers, are you? Like in college, you can have, you know, in high school, as long as they so. don't play on, as long as they're not on the field at the same time, different sides of the ball, uh, you can have duplicate numbers. Um, I don't, I don't think you can do that in the NFL. Otherwise, give them 11. You know, it's a, it was a, it was an offensive player that was wearing 11, wasn't it? For the Broncos. Yeah. The quarterback, Josh yeah. Jones. I don't know why he wouldn't take some money from Benito. Like here's 20 grand. Like you're not making a lot. You might be cut later this summer, Josh. Take your 20 grand and give me that number, but maybe they'll work something out. I just don't like this number at all. And someone pointing out, Kaylee on green says uh, Von Miller wore 40 uh, with the Rams. A, that was with the Rams, and B, 
uh, I didn't like that number for Vaughn either. To me, he's 58, not 40. So I don't think pass rushers look good. Maybe Shaq Barrett, 48. But I don't think pass rushers should wear a number in the 40s. This is where the New Jersey um, relaxation rules I don't, I don't agree with. I didn't See, like. I like it. it. I don't I, like. I it. do. I, I do like it. And maybe that's because, you know, um, I was always. Well, I wouldn't say always, but for a while, I was more of a college football fan, and it was a little bit more relaxed with college football. And um, you could have different numbers out there. And for me, it, it helped you stand out just a little bit more. You know, I mean, wasn't Mecklenburg or was it? Is it uh, one of the Green Bay guys that was around forever? That was like in the '60s. Um, or Mecklenburg moved, changed positions. Wasn't he a linebacker that played in the seventies or something too? I don't know. Seventies. In fact, I told uh, a dad of a kid who was playing linebacker. I said, you need to get him out of that seventies number. Cause it makes him look slow <laughs> <laughs> next year. He was number five. Um, yeah. you know, as you're trying to get recruited. Um, I actually do kind of like it. Um, Brian Bosworth was 44 in college. And I'll remember this from his book. Cause he wanted to for- wear 44 in uh, wear 44 in the NFL and they wouldn't let him. And they're like, but this guy, I don't remember who he's talking about. Uh, he, well, he started as a wide receiver and that's why he's still allowed to wear 80. And, you know, even though he's not playing there anymore and he's like, well, fine. I'm a, and that's, if you see the posters, it says monster DB. That's where that came from. He goes, fine. I'm a monster defensive back. Give me my 44. So he'd be allowed to wear his 44 now. And, and as a, you know, an old guy, you know, that we always talk about, oh, they've changed this and too many passing and not a hit anymore. I do actually like the number changes. I think they look cool. Uh, yeah, William Hayes points out 52. That's taken by Natani Muti. I mean, he could switch with him. 57 is taken as well. I th- Billy Turner has 57. I, I would look for... That's much more of a pass rushing number of 57 than 42. But I pulled up a really cool tool on Pro Football Reference. It shows all players to wear a certain jersey number for the Broncos in their history. And I'm looking down the list right now, and I'm doing this because we had a comment that said Benito from Jeremy Sean can trailblaze the number 42. Well, here's the history of 42 for the Broncos. 2021 was Curtis Robinson, who exactly? 2020 was Parnell Motley, who? 2016 through 2019 was Casey Kreider. And then going down the list, it's like no one recognizable. Ryan Terrain, Sam Brandon, uh, Detron Smith, great name, Leonard Russell, Kittrick Taylor, Muhammad Oliver, Billy Van Housen, Lonnie Wright, Odell Berry, Al Frazier, and Al Romine. There, that's a group of nobodies, and I hate to say that. No, no disrespect to anyone on that list, maybe except for Billy Van Housen. Uh, so it's true, Jeremy. If he sticks with forty-two, he can make forty-two cool again. He can make that a, a trailblazing type number. So Absolutely, you know, <clears throat> for all the reasons you don't want him to be fifty-eight, are reasons enough why he could be forty-two. So again, I don't mind. I don't mind the the number changes. I like the single digits on the wide receivers. I really do. I really I, like I do like that. I, agree. I like those a lot. Um, so um, it doesn't it doesn't bother me as much. Uh, and Mark Schrader coming in from Texas, one of our wow. huge benefactors on the show for Broncos for Breakfast, says no question day. Just appreciate you guys. Not as much as we appreciate you, Mark. I promise you that. So thank you for being here. Thank you for all the support you show across all of our shows all of our channels. You're a big reason why we're able to do this in the morning and have some fun while, you know, getting caffeinated highs. So thank you very much, Mark. We're not, we're not letting you get off that easy. You're that generous. Please. If you have a question, Mark, let us know, comment, let us give you some shine. 
um, because you definitely deserve it. And Jeremy, push back a little more. 11 would be weird. Ask Micah Parsons and the Cowboys if 11's weird on, on a linebacker or a defender. It's it's not. That's a pretty but cool again, That's what it makes it. You make it your own. You know, if 42 goes out there and drops 20 sacks, you're going to say, man, I love that number. Don't ever change it. Well, there's also this. So they, Benito has that going for him, which is good. Yeah, that's not my favorite guy. Uh, may he rest in peace. But I and actually being a selfish ball hog as an edge rusher would be okay if that's your only job. You know, you know, if 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 he would play like Kobe, he'd forget about protecting the edge at all, and he would just go and try and get numbers. It doesn't matter that they ran right by him seventy five percent of the time, as long as he gets his sacks. So, um, but yeah. 24, 42, uh, 24 was probably taken too, I would imagine. This is a good point from Ryan. To be fair, I'm not so keen on number five for a pass rusher in, in Randy Gregory's case. Single digits single digits for edge is weird. I'm, I'm there with you. For a running back, for a receiver like Scott mentioned, KJ Hamler is number one to me is dope. I love that for KJ. Well, if, if you, again, if you're a college football fan, the one at Michigan is special. You know, so that knowing that number one, True. it's kind of like 34. If you're a, an old school running back fan, especially from the South, 34 is a special number. 56 for linebackers is a special number. Um, so the number one, that one, that one sits with me a little bit. I actually love 56. So I mean, that's why partly why I'm, I'm so high on Baron Browning. I love that number for a linebacker. <laughs> you got to earn that one. I see. I'm, I'm like, boy, you wear, you wear 56 and that there's, that means something to me. That means I'm just like 34 does. You got to be somebody to strap that 34 on as a running back. When you go back to the days of Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson and uh, and Walter Payton, among others, I think Earl Campbell was probably 34 also. So there's there's legends where that 34. And number two, uh, Ethan, it's not. We I don't think it was ever weird when your nickname is PS2 and you're wearing two. I, that's freaking awesome to me. So I got used to that really quickly. I can't wait to see Patrick Sertan ball out this year, man. He's going to be in the Pro Bowl wearing number two. Now, one of the guys we could see a lot now that we're, we've kind of transitioned here to jersey numbers. One of the guys we could see a lot early and often is uh, Greg Dulcich. What do you remember? What number he got? Mm -hmm. He seems like he'd be comfortable in a number in the forties. He got 80, uh, Rod Smith's old number. So I, I do like that for it's 80. 80, okay. That was, I think that was Jerry. I'm pretty sure that was Jerry Rice. He was, uh, Jerry Rice was an 80. So. Broncos legend, Jerry Rice. Yeah. <laughs> did he, did he, did he get up a cup of coffee finally with the Broncos? I think he was there like for the summer or for training camp, and then he never played a, a down, I believe. For, Wait, I looked Broncos. him up not too long ago because he, he came up and he had a season at like 41 years old that was absolutely freaking unbelievable. For you know, speaking of you know, legends of the game wearing that number, and yeah, he wore 80 his whole career. At uh, at 40 years old with the Raiders, he had 92 catches for 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. At 40, goat. Yeah, I, again, it, I my short list. The two guys that come to me for my generation for a Gen Xer of like best football player period of all time, Jerry Rice and Lawrence Taylor, are two that come to mind right away for me. If you wanted like talk about things other than the quarterback and i think they're in the discussion period with uh with all the quarterbacks too but you know best pure football players of all time for me and the first two guys i think of are jerry rice and lt yeah i'm there uh, with for you. sure uh, uh speaking you mentioned kj hamler um kj hamler was uh was at the podium yesterday and he had some wonderful things to say 
um, not just uh, gave him an update on his health, but also on his, his mental health. I don't know how much that you've, you've gotten to see so far. Um, I want to actually, I want to show this video clip. He was talking about, uh, you know, when you're, injured, when you're, let me see, I hit share. Here we go. When you're injured and, um, you know, other things and you're away from the game and all these guys have known their whole lives for the most part, if you're at this level, what are you? You are basically defined as a football player. It's what what you've done. So he was asked about, you know, what it was like, you know, his battle with it. And he said, you know, yeah, there were some there were some dark times. Um, I'm not completely out of that spot here. I want to I want to play this clip here real quick. Man, that was um, that was my rock, really. You know, um, nobody else really took care of me more than her. You know, besides my actual mother, but he's talking about his grandma. Um, you know, I used to take her, get her hair done, get her food every time I come home. Um, you know, so and you know, she was she was going through struggles. You know, she had Parkinson's disease and things of that nature. So, you know, it was days I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to show up to therapy. And you know, I know I always thought about her. You know, she doing therapy, so I got to go do it. You know, I know she wouldn't give up, so I ain't gonna give up. So it was just, you know, she was like my that was my rock, really. So. playing ball again you know when you, I feel like when you take something that you love away you know it, you kind of figure out like like you know what am I gonna do you know so but you know I've been picking up new hobbies things like that just to you know because I'm not just football so you know he, he was talking about this is the second time he's gone through this and uh he lost his grandmother like two months after who was a, a seriously extended part of his family said he was you know other than his mom spent the most time with him and that it's hard. And he was very honest about it. And we, you know, mental health becomes a, almost a punchline at times because I, I think people cry wolf too much about mental health, but it is real. It's absolutely a real thing, especially with some of these guys that have, you know, if they've had concussions or whatnot, it can become really, really scary. And that he was opening up with a smile on his face. It just, it, I, I titled it and it's going to hit the, the, the full clip is on the Broncos channel and th this couple parts of it will be on mile high huddle later today. Um, but he talked about Zach about how he's already been through this once. So he doesn't have that fear factor. Zach, you've heard me talk about the fear factor of when I go out there, I have to trust my knee again and physically he's doing very well. Mentally he's getting stronger and stronger. And I think that bodes well for KJ Hamler and the Denver Broncos. Mental health is absolutely real in crises. crises. Um, I think there's a, a sort of a, a pandemic of mental health issues going on in this country right now. It's a whole other subject, but I have so much more respect for KJ Hamler after watching that video, watching his press conference. He also admitted he didn't just tear up his knee on the hospital ball from Teddy Bridgewater. He actually had hip surgery in, in addition to knee surgery because his hip popped out of place when he landed awkwardly. So hip surgery, knee surgery, he lost his grandma, he's out for the season, and he's mentally tough, and he got through it. I just, the way he, uh, he, he spoke right there, the admiration I had for KJ skyrocketed. He looks good, too. He looks bigger. He looks buffer. Um, I think he's in for a big season. I, I hope so. I'm rooting for him. Well, um, one more. I don't. We don't show a ton of these videos here, but uh, he was also asked, you know, how's your speed going to be? Oh yeah, my speed ain't going nowhere. I should be faster. <laughs> if you couldn't hear it quite, um, you know, I'm, my, my speed ain't going anywhere. I'm gonna do everything possible. Oh yeah, my speed ain't going nowhere. I should be faster. I, got I love that little spark. Um, I just yeah. love it. He's just like, oh come on, man. No, my speed ain't going anywhere. 
I should be faster. Uh, they're saying they're basically, he said, I basically had to hold, they're, they're holding me back and I'm listening, you know, because he goes, I'm trying to be smart with it, but I feel good. I should be ready week one. Oh yeah. Uh, my role is to do whatever they want me to do. I, I'm, I'm a KJ Hamler fan. You know, I've, I've said before, Zach, when you, when you do this for a living, you end up rooting for the names on the back of the Jersey instead of the name on the front of the Jersey. I'm a KJ Hamler fan for life, yeah. for life on that guy. I, I, I was just blown away by six minutes of listening to him talk. And he also knows there's no one on the Broncos roster that can do what he does, which is run really fast and be that deep threat. And uh, I think he's in for a big season. I really do. And uh, he went through the worst in a couple years of his career with bad quarterback play and bad coaching, the injury last year. I think the worst is now behind KJ and he's in for a, a bounce back season. I'm rooting for him as well. Good guy. Yeah, I want to show we got some uh, some stars came in from Miguel uh, Santi Stevan. And there he is. There he is. So I want to say right here at the, the bottom of the hour at 10 a.m. Eastern time, 8 o'clock Mountain Time, saying good morning. So appreciate you coming in and saying good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning to you as well. So thank you for the stars, my friend. So um, other things I wanted to get to uh, was Reed Burkhart. I, was, I want to say Rex. I want to say Rex every time. I saw Rex when he was in high school. Um, but Reed Burkhart brought over from the Vikings, a longtime confidant at worst colleague of George Payton coming over to the Denver Broncos. Zach, what do you know about him? I, I know that like you just laid out, he was in Minnesota for quite a while. He overlapped with uh, George Payton. He's the new director of player personnel in Denver, and he's someone that Payton can lean on and quietly. We talked about it last night on the huddle up podcast, but Payton has quietly transformed the Broncos front office in his vision. He kept around some Elway guys. He let more of them go. Matt Russell just took a job uh, with the Eagles, I believe. So he has Kelly Klein around him now. He has Moogie around him. He has uh, A.J. Durso, and now he has Burkhart. So it's his little circle he feels comfortable working with. But he's still picking the groceries, George Payton. He's still running the show in the Broncos' front office. It's not going to make a huge difference in the grand scheme of things. But again, I'll say it proves it is no longer Elway's franchise he has nothing more to do he's an outside consultant this is all george payton now and i think these hires kind of stamp that point home further so i want to get your opinion on this because as you said he's picking the groceries there was some talk a little bit that oh i think payton acquiesced too much to the coaching staff for their guys and during the nfl draft i don't believe that uh, i think he solicited input and maybe have gotten a green light or whatnot but i still believe this was george payton's draft what what i mean you know, the Marcus Washington, I think, is the one that that has um, or is it Montreal Washington? I'm sorry. Anyway, it's uh, the the uh, that pick is the one I think is uh, is getting most of the people to kind of scratch their heads a little bit. It's like, you know, he's letting the coaches make picks. Other than that, I, I, I believe firmly, you know, especially when you hear Nathaniel Hackett come in. He's like, oh, I walked in. It was chaos. It was amazing to be around and watch them work, um, you know, and he's always kind of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed anyway but uh i i believe this is this is george payton's team right now i don't know why so many people hate the montreal washington pick i i know he might have been a udfa but you're talking about an instant starter you had to replace deontay spencer who wasn't cutting it he's explosive washington he's going to help out right away on special teams he could help out 
uh, on offense as, as a gadget player. I, I don't see the criticism of that pick. I thought it was pretty good considering you're just throwing darts on day three. When you built the Broncos roster to that point already and you were in a luxury draft, taking a new kick returner, uh, punt returner, speed demon is, is, doesn't warrant criticism to me. Yeah, Montreal, Washington, I think if I start looking after, you know, I always think, what else could we have gotten? You know, when I'm looking at a draft, what else could, who else was available at the time? And I, I think when I'm looking at that, I, I'm going to grade the Montreal Washington pick one on how does he do, but two, how does Braxton Jones do? Um, that was a guy I really liked um, as a developmental offensive tackle. Um, one of the other guys I like in here was John Ridgeway. You could use some beef on that defensive line. John Ridgeway is a 330 pound nose guard from Arkansas. I think could have, could have helped. Uh, Kingsley Anigbare was another edge guy. You know, you're okay at edge, but he's uh, he's got a lot of upside. And then you go down a little bit farther and say Matt Ariza. You know, if you want a special team starter, there you go. And I also like the linebacker, but uh, Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati, but I don't think that was necessarily the guy. And a 4-3 edge guy that Carolina took in the sixth at 189, Amari Barno from Virginia Tech. So, I'm going to watch those guys, and if you know if if they all hit, I'm going to say, okay, that's why you didn't want to get this guy now because you could have had one of those guys and go later. But as I've said a zillion times, if you hit on that guy, then it doesn't matter what the other guys do. You keep accumulating good football players that can help your team. You're going to be just fine. It doesn't matter what the other people do. I mean, a fifth-round pick is going to be a day-one starter. That, that's pretty good per yeah. value from your draft class. And see, your argument about who they could have taken, that starts earlier for me because at 64, did you need an edge rusher? At 80, did you need a tight end? You, you passed up people like Abraham Lucas and Bernard Raymond. Talk about tackles. I would have gone a little earlier, but in the fifth round, when you don't have a kick returner, you don't have a punt returner, you've been so bad there for so many years I have no problem at all with the Montreal Washington pick. Zero. The, the two big ones for me on that that Nick Benito pick that you know I'm gonna grade that way is Abraham Lucas, offensive tackle, and Travis Jones, the nose guard out of Connecticut. Those are the two. Um, you know, I wasn't surprised at all when Travis Jones went to Baltimore. I swear it's like, oh, I love this guy. He's athletic as hell. He's fast, he's big, he's mean. Baltimore Ravens. Every time they killed it, man. They're um, you know, so they they seem to always get the guys. I you you wonder you see these guys that are stars for the Ravens on defense. You're like, how do they keep getting these guys? Well, because Detroit and the Falcons keep taking wide receivers, and meanwhile you go take the best player in the draft and Kyle Hamilton, and you end up with the next Ed Reed. Um, you know, it's oh, it's a safety position. If you if you could take Ed Reed and get a nine time Pro Bowler, six time All Pro guy at five, would you? Yes. You absolutely would. So the again, game changer to me has no positional value. I don't care. A game changer is a game changer. Exactly. And you need one. Uh John Clay eventing coming in. This is morning, gents. Morning. I agree with that. I think Washington is going to be huge. And the good news for this, Zach, on the return game, the bar has been set so low. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Deontay was, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust as a, as a returner. Uh, he never really cut it. I want more explosion. And you have a coordinator now, unlike Tom McMahon and Dwayne Stukes, who's going to push that unit to be better and be more explosive and help out the team and flip field position, take games over. That's what Washington can do. So, again, I don't see the criticism in the fifth round. And uh, Jeremy has a decent point here. You move down. He was the bonus pick when you moved down for Dulcich. So, as a bonus 
dart throw in the fifth round, you get an instant day one starter, a guy who can be, uh, I don't want to say Devin Hester, but better than Deontay Spencer for sure. I I'm cool with it, man. I like that the was a freebie, huh? Yeah, that was a freebie. Okay, what? nice. Uh, what was not a freebie is the stars coming in from C. Patrick Havener. Appreciate you, uh, uh, Patrick, saying great show this morning. Well, thank you. It's uh, uh, We miss Nick. Nick's on his way to a wedding. He'll be back um, Monday, Monday morning when we come back for Broncos for breakfast. I think he's out this weekend, too, because he is in a wedding and uh, like one of his next like 17 over the course of the next 18 weekends. So he's uh he he will be back so we do we do miss Nick but we I was very happy that Zach was willing to get up in the morning and uh and join us for Broncos for breakfast and uh, appreciate you too Mr. Havener. whole different perspective things are actually happening around me at this time Scott it's a crazy world right now I I used to have a lot of trouble sleeping and part of it I think was getting older until I moved to uh when I moved to California 10:30 at night the day is freaking done you know it's done so I slept like a baby when I moved out West. Um, when Before, it's like, you know, you try and go to sleep. And when you're in the news business at 11, you're like, well, hell, somebody from Utah just made a commitment. You're like, damn it, I can't sleep. Um, so, yes, you're right. In the morning, things, things get cranking a little earlier. But I, I appreciate the, the, the night owls because I don't want to be up at 11 o'clock at night when these games are ending and that type of stuff needs to be covered. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad for the night owls for sure. Uh, and real quick, coming in, Anthony Grove coming in with some nice stars. Anthony, appreciate you. Says, good morning, gents. What a treat catching you both together this morning. Well, thank you, sir. Any hopes of Peyton shaking up the strength and conditioning department? Also keeping my fingers crossed for some necessary roughness dancing tonight. Pate. <laughs> Can't escape it. I did it. not commit to that. I did not commit to that. I, I kind of jokes. I, I used to dance a lot. I used to club, go clubbing and stuff a lot. It's like I, I quit dancing just about the same time I quit drinking. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, I'll do a little shimmy. I, I'm not a great dancer at all. Trust me on that. You don't want to see that on camera. But um, I'd be very happy if the Broncos got Seattle or Kansas City tonight. And it's funny you bring this up, Anthony, because Russell Wilson tweeted a picture of a workout he had with the Broncos in, in the Broncos facility. And who was writing back to him spotting him? Lauren Landau. So the Broncos have not replaced Lauren Landau. They have not replaced their strength and conditioning staff, which is surprising to me because it seemed like Peyton held everyone responsible for last year and the year before and the year before, but not Lauren Landau. It seems like he has immunity in the Broncos building. Despite the losses, despite the injuries, he just uh, withstands it all. So we'll have to keep our fingers crossed, I guess. Yeah, it was. Some of those were so fluky. I mean, pectorals how what on earth how i think that's not coincidence yeah we could we could go the next year and thank you anthony we could go the next 12 months and not hear of a pectoral tear across the nfl let alone two at the same position on the same team within a couple of weeks right. at each other that's weird uh but the most part the other things though when i when i started thinking i a a, a friend of mine, he played in the league for about um, eight years, and he, we were talking a little bit about this topic. And he goes, "Yeah, when when we were at Jacksonville, they brought in a, a somebody and they changed the way we trained, and everybody within the first three weeks went down with a hamstring injury. Everybody. Um, that is directly correlated. Now ACLs. You know, when I start hearing the hamstrings, I start worried a little bit. But pectoral tears." you know, concussions, 
that stuff is that has doesn't have as much to do with the strength and conditioning to me. But um, again, there's been a lot of injuries. There there yes. have been. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not just last year. It wasn't just AJ or, or Josie having the pec injuries. It's been a consistent theme since Landau was hired and taking over uh, as the main SNC guy. Um, maybe Fangio's practices or the way he was conducting the team had something to do with it. All we can do is hope that the injury luck is on the Broncos' side, but I would have preferred they went in a different direction. Uh, and uh, positivity helps with the injury luck, <laughs> as James references here. Players didn't like Vic. They didn't want to play for him. I said that part. Uh, probably would not play through the injuries. The atmosphere is different now. Uh, I think I said it yesterday or the day before that you could tell pretty early that week five, maybe week six, that this team had given up on Vic Fangio. And I, I think that was the first time I said dead man walking. Um, you know, and, you know, there was still talk. I haven't made a decision. Could he be back? Could he save his job? I'm like, there is just no way that Vic Fangio is back. No way. Uh, what surprised me more is that he was back at all. Yeah. You know, you've got the, that he even got a third year after two really poor years uh, with a new general manager coming in. That was more of a surprise to me than the fact that he was going to be gone after year three. He was toast. Two words to emphasize that point. Juwan James, 2019, wouldn't play through a meniscus injury that was healed. Maybe there's something to it. Players didn't like playing for Fangio. They didn't like playing through injuries. We do know come uh, week 18 of last season, the finale, they weren't playing for Fangio anymore. They were playing for themselves, their, mm -hmm. for their locker room. So he had lost the team, and I don't think a player would push forward because of Vic. But there's been a rash, a repeated pattern of injuries since Landau took over. I just hope they have luck on their side this year. Positive thinking, like you said. Uh, talking about uh, coming back to the schedule a little bit, I believe when the schedule is announced, single Tonight. game tickets go on sale today. They go on sale. Basically, as soon as they're announced, they'll flip a switch on the back end, and hopefully they've got good developers. Um, I haven't been as, as impressed with the NFL's technology as – MLBs. MLB had, uh, I think they actually ended up selling BAM Media. They were the first in streaming and all those type of stuff. MLB's been pretty tight with that. In fact, they, the NHL actually licensed MLB's developers and everything to, to run their same system. So hopefully they flip a switch and you'll be able to get single game tickets as early as tonight is what I believe I read. Uh, Eight o'clock Eastern. Yeah, if you guys want those London tickets or like the primetime games, you better get it while they're available. It's going to go fast, I feel like. The Broncos are going to be appointment viewing this season. Yeah, Mandango dances. Take the knee, Scott. Zach won't give up on the training staff. and I, I wouldn't argue with him. I, Why I don't, should I? I don't know because the other part of this is I don't see that you're outlasting teams. This team hasn't been good enough to know, for me, across the board to know if it's this, if how big of a factor the strength and conditioning staff is when your offensive coordinator is poor, your head coach is poor, your quarterback play is poor. You've got so many other holes that I don't know how many of how much of that comes with the strength conditioning. So I, I I'm not going to be overly critical of them. You know, when, when I get to the, of course, you know, one of Zach, one of the phrases I've used a lot is bullied. This team got bullied in the trenches. Yeah. Hmm. You know, maybe there's something to that, dude. 
Yeah, Mandango, you're always one letter away from your username being something completely different. But um, <laughs> I'm not blaming Lauren Landau on the Broncos, purely Lauren Landau on the Broncos' failures the last couple of years. But if you've been a keen watcher of the franchise, as I'm sure you are, you have noticed, like uh, Ethan says here, just too many injuries. It wasn't like this in years past. And I know it's part of the game. Luck has something to do with it. You know, you have to last the the test of the season, but there's been too many injuries. And I think the the pectoral tears, which we covered, were the biggest red red flag indicator that something is, is going wrong in the workout room. Uh, Randy here. Randy Chubsack. That might be a new name <laughs> uh, for an old okay. person. There's a... Alrighty. There, there's, that's such a play on words that is in perfect context with your players right after Mandango him to do um, even though it feels like it should be part of the manscaped read uh, Randy says here's to hoping whoever our new owner is has a drive and desire to invest in cutting edge research and technology to help improve player safety and player performance I think we can all get on board with that yeah sure it's and appreciate the stars Randy and welcome um, there's there's so much more involved now. You see, you know, if you see uh, international footballers, they take the shirt off. Why are they wearing training bras? Like, well, that's the that's the GPS data that they use to track them, including heart rate, oxygen flow, all that type of stuff that they can then look at different type of performance. I don't know how much of that has gotten into football. I know some of it has because you hear the speed. You hear like, oh, he hit twenty three point seven miles per hour as a top speed or, or that type of thing. So. Um, the data and everything that is coming into football is growing for sure. I don't know. I mean, you talk about someone like Rob Walton, who I wouldn't say is a football diehard based on what I know about him. Looking at it realistically, he spends $5 billion with a B on the Broncos. Is his first order of business going to be improving player safety or is it going to be securing financing for a new stadium or doing something drastic to the franchise. I hope that would be on his agenda. I just don't see that being agenda item number one, but yeah, cutting edge that. technology when you're talking about billions with a B would be a, a rounding error. It's like, yeah, let's drop 5 million on this. Okay. That's a lot of money, <laughs> you know, for, you know, that's, that's not a ton of money in the world of professional sports that you can do a lot of good things with in order to make marginal increases in your team in, in, in that realm. Uh, you know, we it's like you talk about, a, you know, oh, this guy has a personal chef. Well, he's making five million a year and he's paying this guy 80 grand. OK, well, let's see. Five million a year is what's that come out to about four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month. He can afford a personal chef, you know, so to so do those things and to, to help take care of your body that we've, we've I've heard you say this before, Zach, and I agree it's that level of money doesn't make sense to the rest of us. <laughs> like, oh, we're going to drop $20 million on, on uh, you know, this new tracking technology and oxygen airflow and rehabilitation chambers. It's a drop in the bucket yeah. billion dollar business like this. You just mentioned 450000 a month. I'm thinking I haven't made that in my life. It must be nice to have that, you know, weekly paycheck. But my point in saying that was we don't know Rob Walton's motive for buying the Broncos. Is it to improve the franchise? Is it because he's a football lover? Or is it because he's super uber, uber, uber wealthy and has nothing better to do than cash out his Walmart stock and he wants the Broncos for his portfolio? So I just want to know the motive behind 
Harris, Bowley, Walton. What is their intention in owning the Broncos? And I think that will come I, I, to I light. It's a competition thing. I really do. It's it's the same guys that you know want to have the most exclusive cars. Like, oh well, um, Bugatti's only making ten of these. I gotta have it. Right. I got I gotta have it. You know, um, those those are the type of people. It's it, there's only thirty two of these in the world. NFL teams in the world. I, I gotta have one of these. And by God, I want them to be good. And if I've got it. I don't want it to be a crap team. You know, I, I right. want it to, I'm going to make sure I, I just spent a million dollars on a Bugatti. That thing is buffed and primed and shined and nice. Now make sure you take it out for a ride. The problem is the Broncos are on a car. So I hope I he, he has more uh, incentive and more desire to own the Broncos than just to say he owns the Broncos. That's what I'm worried about, Scott. I don't right. want it to be a portfolio builder. I don't want him to meddle. So it's like a tough stance I'm trying to take here. I want him to be right down the middle where he recognizes the asset of the Broncos franchise, but he's also doing something with his money to improve the franchise. When you're at these meetings with the Billionaire Boys Club, you don't necessarily want to be embarrassed either. You know, you want to walk in there and stick your chest out. You know, we just won this thing or, you know, something along those lines. So, um, and keeping, you know, it, it, keep the money flowing and, you know, answer the phone when I need a $50 million signing bonus to re-sign my quarterback and yes. stay out of the way and let football people do their jobs. Exactly. That's, that's what you can hope for. It's, it's funny. We're on the same page with this. I don't generally care about who the owner is unless it ends up Daniel Snyder. You know, that's he, Daniel Snyder of the of the Washington football team has scared so many fans like, oh, my God, just so long as they're not like that, I'm OK, uh, because the NFL, there's so many restrictions and, and leveling of the playing field rules that it's not like baseball where the ownership makes a huge difference or national football where the ownership makes a huge difference. It's a fairly level playing field as long as you've got competent people and you're willing to write checks when you need to to move the salary cap down to re-sign your quarterback, to go after this high-priced free agent. But other than that, it's just, man, just stay out of the way. Don't screw it up. You got the right people there, and you got a good roster now. Yeah. I. The, the thing is, we won't know if he's Dan Snyder right away. That would come out over the course of a few seasons, seeing how his MO is, how he operates, what his intentions are, what his motivation is. I don't think the Broncos will have to worry about that no matter who ends up owning them. But like you said, when you're worth $70 billion, you spent $5 billion. A quarterback wants you know, $200 million. That's here. Here's couch cushion money that I found. Go pay yeah. the quarterback. That's when you need your football people to say, hey, hey we can't do that because these are the effects it would have on, on these other things. Uh, you know, this is how it would change our salary cap structure and make us less competitive down the road. That's where I need football people. Speaking of football people, Ethan's coming in orange Thank with you. 20 pounds. Who would you rather have come back in some capacity for new Broncos ownership, Manning or Elway? Probably Peyton. I just Elway had his time with the franchise and um, he showed his, his warts and he showed his vulnerability in that capacity. And I don't know. This is my speculation. I don't know that his intentions would be pure because he would become George Payton's boss. The guy that took his job, now he's going to be over Payton. I, I just don't trust that dynamic, nor do I trust that setup. Payton seems more pure. I don't know, more wholesome as a potential owner of the Broncos. I love his football mind too. And having Payton back in that capacity would be great from a PR perspective. But yeah, I think Mandango agrees as well. Yeah. Um, Mandango. 
I don't know if he he's not ever going to have the percentage in there to be his direct boss. You know, he'll have one boss. Let's say, you know, let's say it is Walton and, uh, you know, he he has Elway or Manning and is some sort of an advisor. I mean, that's like, you know, that's kind of like Evan Fredo. You're still answering to the Godfather. You got one boss. Um, You just, you know, want to make sure that he's not chirping in his ear behind your back. You don't know Um, either one of them. I don't know. I mean, for me, as a fan of Manning, I, I like having him out there in the NFL world, you know, True. where he's Manning cast where Elway is behind the scenes. I don't I don't think about John Elway. I like having John Peyton Manning doing commercials and doing media and doing those things that he would have to stop doing if he was with the uh, with the Denver Broncos. So as a or at least cut way back as a fan of the game. I like Peyton Manning being Peyton Manning in in a in a broader scope. Um, but no, real quick before we get out of here, because we're right at an hour. You, we mentioned um Daniel Snyder. You know, we're not sure what we're gonna get with Rob Walton with his intentions and stuff, but had you ever heard of Daniel Snyder before he bought the then Washington Redskins? I hadn't. No, you know, maybe he was always a jackass. You know, we don't we don't know. This was sure. before the social media things, but Rob Walton has been at least if not in the public eye available to the public eye because of his family name and money for decades. So, you know, I, I think we, we would actually have a better idea of his persona than somebody like, you know, Daniel Snyder. And that's the fear. And, and I think, um, you know, a single ownership like that with who understands how to run a business and that winning is good, you know, greed is good. Winning is good. Winning is good for the value. Let's say I just want to, take $4 billion and turn it into eight. Well, you don't do that by losing and running off your fans. You do that by, by turning it into a marquee showpiece team of the biggest league in, in, uh, in the United States. So uh, I'd feel pretty good about it, honestly. Yeah. Maybe it's the pessimist in me. I just feel like when you're worth that money, when you amass that wealth, there's a, there, there's, there's levels of corruption. And to put it in, in other words, and you don't get that far without, you know, being cutthroat and, and doing what you have to do. It's just the level of corruption. How deep does it go? Obviously, with Daniel Slander, it went super deep and it's still going deep. But maybe Rob Walton is mostly clean. No one is, is squeaky clean, Scott. Everyone, if he ends up buying the Broncos, there's going to be some hit piece where some reporter digs into his past and finds like a tweet from 2005. They start to try to cancel him. This is the age we live in now. We just have to hope that either whether it's Walton, Harris, Bowley, even Magic Johnson, they don't have to look that far, that corruption doesn't go that deep and they have true, pure intentions for the franchise, like winning, number one. I was watching a Bond movie, Zach, and it was, uh, you know, the CIA and then MI6 are working together and MI6 is going after this guy and the CIA is cutting a deal behind him. And one of the CIA guys is like, do you know what this guy does? You know, do you know who he is? And the CIA director is like, you're right. Maybe we should just do deals with nice people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. None of these guys are squeaky clean for God's sakes uh, at, at this stage, but there are levels of Jack assery that I don't want to have to deal with in my owner. <laughs> exactly. You're hoping it's like if you're gonna be a corrupt person, you know, do it behind the scenes. I don't want I don't want you out there in the public eye. Uh, on that note, I think we are about ready to get out of here. Unless there's uh, you know any last pressing questions that come in, um, it looks like we're caught up on Facebook. We're caught up on YouTube. Um, I think that's about it, Zach. I, I think. I wouldn't normally do this to you this early, but I'm pretty sure you can do the the rundown. I got you. Yeah. 
So I want to I want to test you on that. I got you for sure. That was I don't do we have even a BFB banner? I'm looking for it right now because I'm gonna I don't put know. A, all right, well, follow the Huddle Pod anyway, guys, on Twitter. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. If you guys want some merchandise, like a hat, coffee cup, go to HuddleUpPod.com and get your merch or a BFB coffee mug like Scott's drinking out of. Go to HuddleUpPod.com and get your merch on. And Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Like that page. Follow that page. Guys, if you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest and Scott, a five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every single month. But, but if you can't do those things, please, please, please do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. And Ethan, the closer, wow. is going to get us out of here. And he echoes Thank my you. thoughts and I think probably all of the MHH family. It says, thanks for joining us, Zach, on the morning yeah. show. Yeah, Thank, thank you for you. having me, guys. Um, Nick let us know last week that he wasn't going to be available. Um, you know, what should we do? I was like, well, let, let me get Zach. Zach and I have a good time. We'll, we'll wake him always. up in the morning. We have fun doing these shows. As always, thanks, Scott. Thank you, Ethan. And Broncos country. And take care. Hashtag the closer. On that note, uh, I'm going to channel my inner uh, Nick right here and say, you know, thanks for joining us. We'll see you tonight on the Huddle Up Pod at 6 o'clock Mountain Time with Chad and Zach as they get us into the weekend and talk about the schedule release. There will, it will be no more speculation when we're back on tonight. Uh, so choose kindness, choose compassion. And as, as always for Broncos country, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country.